Hey, what's up, family? Welcome to the live Q&A of yours. Truly hope y'all are well. Hope y'all are having a great Saturday. Hope you guys are now weekend by your weekend that you're on uh, maximizing it uh, and utilizing your weekend to be successful. So I hope this video comes and greets you at a good time. Uh, for those who join me for the very first time, my name is Joshua Ezzi, also known as Coach Josh. And my goals have make sense to your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after watching this video, like, man, I like that guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe because I would love to be your coach here online. But for those who's been rocking me for a mighty long time, whether you've been a subscriber for 14 years or you've been a subscriber for 14 seconds, I want to say thank you so much for trusting what God has entrusted in me. And I pray it continuously be treasured. But as everyone is coming in live, getting their questions ready, you're like, man, how do I get my questions answered by this guy? This guy... I think he knows what he's talking about. I think he's tapped in. Uh, make sure you uh, hit all uh, post notifications when you hit that bell so that you'll know when I go online and have your questions saved. But for those who's been listening all through my podcast platforms, thank you so much, you all, for listening. I pray you all are blessed. Uh, I know a lot of you guys are listening in the car right now. You're listening at work. You're listening... Um, with family, while you're cleaning the house, you're listening. So thank you so much for listening. But as everyone's coming in live and getting their questions ready, let me let you guys know about some things that I have for you. Like my latest book, Facts Over Feelings, How to Go from Feeling to Fulfilling. This book right here helps you be able to process your feelings so that you can get back to fulfilling your role as a husband, wife, parent, entrepreneur, businesswoman, a, a person after God's own heart, all that good stuff. This book will help you process that as well. If you're looking for a book to help you hold the important things better, to hold things well, this book right here would be a good book for you. Great journal for you to just see how you're holding your family, holding your relationships, holding yourself uh, while being held by God. So that book's available as well. If you want to learn the purpose of your singleness and you're like, hey man, I don't like my singleness, but, but I'm trying to find the purpose of it. This book would be a great resource for you and to help you maximize your singleness. If you're looking for a book to help you date God, date yourself and become dateable so that you can uh, date the love of your life forever and ask the right questions to either end the wrong relationship or extend the relationship, this book right here would be a great resource for you. Also, if you're struggling with soul ties or strongholds and you're like, hey man, these things got too much of a hold on me and I want to be set free, this book right here will help you with that process as well. Great book on how to untie soul ties, uproot strongholds. If you're looking to better discern the will of God and to determine who or what is a counterfeit or a counterpart, this book would be a great resource for you. If you have a young person, ages third grade to about seventh grade, this would be a good book to help kids discover their art form and to have proverbial uh, um, wisdom nuggets, esiums to help them uh, uh, understand life a little better. Also, if you're struggling with spiritual warfare and you want to understand what it means to put on the whole armor of God and, and, and live with it continuously, this book would be a great resource as well. We also have merch. All these tools and resources are available on my website, IamUnplugged.com. I'm just giving you all some time to get your questions in. I'm going to give you all a couple of seconds uh, as I get my computer set up correctly so I can make sure I have my internet as strong as possible. All right. Oh, here we go. Questions are coming in. All right. Liz Marie says, hey, coach, how are you doing today? Doing well. <clears throat> Thank you for asking. Today, uh, question. Do you think during the tribulation will there be children? 
Oh, good, great question. Because, you know, if they're up under 12, I don't know. I'm not even going to guess at it. I'm not quite sure. But I guarantee those who are not kids better make sure they write with God. For sure. <clears throat> so that's a good question, though. But I'm, I'm unsure. Hey, Coach Harry, I'm doing good, young and new. Thank you for asking. I appreciate y'all for asking. Bethel Green says, hey, coach, hope you and your family are doing what we're doing well. Thank you. Hope yours is well, too. Your question is, how do I know if God called me to do something like write a book? Also, how do I see God more as my father? Great question. Give me one second. All right, let's look at it again. How do I know if God called me to do something like write a book? Well, you know when God has called you to do something, when that something is pressing you to do it. And it's a deep do. It's a deep do. It's like one of those things It's like, I have to do it. Like my latest book, Facts of Feelings. As you get older and more seasoned in the, in the things of God, um, you will begin to know his, his voice distinctively. His pull distinctively, right? Because there's a lot of things going to pull at you. Society pulls at you. Uh, people pull at you. But you'll know when God wants to pull something out of you. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And then I went immediately to try to create it. And so the thing is, the more that we engage with our creator, the more we'll be able to know what we should create. Now, if God has called you to write a book, is that you just can't help to get this out. And whatever your thoughts are, whatever your uh, system of thought is, it wants to come out of you. And whatever it comes out towards or to is typically what God wants you to do. So if you feel like, uh, okay, I, I'm, I'm writing this out now, I'm typing it out, and I'm feeling that God wants me to write a book, then write a book, right? Or write a song, or write a poem, or write a journal, or whatever it is, right? You know he's calling you to do it when you feel it being pulled divinely out of you and you can't help but get in that creative channel to get it out and you want people to have it. That's how I do with my books. I just know, you know, I'm nine books in now. And when you think about nine books, you're like, man, I'm talking about for me when I reflect on it, it's like, man, I remember that first day when I felt the pull of God to write that first book and I haven't looked back since because just like... <clears throat> Just like a tree doesn't just just like a tree doesn't have just one orange, the same is with one author. An author doesn't have just one book. A, a musician doesn't just have one uh, uh, song. You see what I'm saying? Every person has more than just one thing in it. And so, the more you spend time with God, the more clear you'll be on what He wants to clear out of you, and then you'll be able to fulfill it. Also. How do I see God more as my father? You have to disconnect him from your earthly father. In order to see God as a father, you must disconnect him from your earthly father because there's a drastic difference. Even if you had the best dad in the world, God is 10 times greater because God cannot fail. A father can fail. A father can disappoint. A father can mess up. But the heavenly father cannot. So in order to see him more as a father, you have to correct how you see fatherhood. Because if you see fatherhood as tainted because of what was painted in your home, then you got to change the color of your room. You got to change the way you see what you see. Right? Because if the way you see a father is, is how your father fathered you, then you're going to, to a degree, correlate that fatherhoodness to the way God fathers you. All right. So how do you begin to see God more as a father? Correct the way you see fatherhood. 
Go into the word of God and see how God fathered the son. Begin to see how he fathered different people throughout the text. See how he has fathered you. Look down your past and say, you know what? God was really fathering me through that situation. God was truly fathering me through that circumstance. God was fathering me, right? You got to change your sights. You got to say, okay, I got to see God for who he is. And the ultimate place that we can find it is two places. That's in the, in the spirit of God and the scriptures of God. It's the only way we can really truly see him as a father, right? And then let him father you. The perfect love of God cast away all fear. And then you flow with him. Now, how do you get to know God as father? You got to understand sonship and daughtership. You got to be able to say, you know what? I'm going to be a son. That means I'm going to let him do what he does best. I'm going to understand what it means um, um, to give him control over my life. I'm going to take the time to see who he is in my life. But you have to not correlate similarities between, or not similarities, but correlate or try to correlate God, your heavenly father and your earthly father. And you got to see him as how he is as a perfect father. Hope to help. Great question. Oh, sorry. Oh, Bethel, thank you so much for your super chat. I appreciate you for that. And I pray God blesses you and returns that back to you hundredfold, my friend. Thank you so much for uh, for giving and today. And for those who want to give, man, you know how you can give. And I appreciate y'all generosity in advance. So thank you so much for that. Um, Here we go. Nikki says, hey, Coach, tips on finding a good church home. Well, the number one tip on finding a good church home is being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit, because the Spirit of God is the one who plants, right? He knows what church is perfect for you. That doesn't mean the church is perfect, but it's perfect for you and it's perfect season for you, right? So the number one tip is to be led by the Spirit of God. And the second number tip is don't be uh, uh, influenced by um, by cultural uh, connections. And what I mean by that, how the church tries to culturally connect to the world and don't get so caught up on what the church does has the most influence, has the uh, uh, most influence online. Don't get so caught up on its influence and affluence that you get so caught up in it that you get sick with it. Right. And last but not least, man, does this church matches the pages of God's word? Number one tip in order to find the right church home is to make sure you led by the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Secondly, you got to make sure that you're not caught up in the influence and the cultural connection the church tries to have. And it causes it to compromise and disintegrate the impactfulness of the church and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And realize, last but not least, that no church is perfect, right? No church is perfect. And I forgot what my last P was. And no church is perfect. Uh, and make sure that the church matches the pages of God's word. And that's the best way to find a perfect church home. Stephanie says, hey, coach, have a good day. Thank you. You do the same, Stephanie. Appreciate it. Maybe I just need some water. <clears throat> Stephanie says, is the rapture a real thing? The Bible does talk about there being snatching. The Bible says that he'll send his angels to catch us. Can we be caught up? So the rapture is a real thing. My brother, Kenny Max in the building. This is my brother from another man. This is my brother. Make sure y'all follow Kenny, man. Kenny has, has, has an honor of God's word. He loves the Lord, and he's hilarious. So make sure you check him out. Thank you for joining me, my brother. We got to catch up soon, family. All right. Young Yunu says, I see a lot of women I find physically attractive. How do I know if my physical standards for a wife are too low or too high? Sometimes I'm a bit scared to meet new people. And make sure you didn't say anything else. 
My desire to have a wife is high and I feel lonely sometimes. Well, let's help you out. Let's start with your first question. I see a lot of women. <clears throat> I find physical that's not going to change. That's not going to change. How do I know if my physical standards for a wife are too low or too high? Well, you like what you like, family. You are physically attracted to who you're physically attracted to. You have to understand the beauty of attraction. But you have to understand the beauty of specific attraction. And there are certain things that you are going to be uh, broadly attracted to. And it's going to be something that you're going to be specifically attracted to. Specific attractions are godsends. These are things that are tailored to you the course of your life. The reason why I say this is so you don't get confused by or influenced by or swayed by attraction alone. But that you are uh, focused and waiting for and patient for specific attraction. Right? So like I said before, women are going to always be attractive. God is not going to snatch all attractive women out of your life when you get married. So you have to tame your eye. Through the spirit of God, you're going to then have to understand or be willing to allow that spirit of God to create self-controlling you visually. Because beautiful women ain't going to go away. But that's the difference between uh, just being receptive to all broad attractions and not patient with specific attractions. Specific attractions are things that are attracted to you because of the purpose in you. That God has laid out and timed marked uh, throughout the time frame of your life. <clears throat> what that means is, is that God has a clock in which different things are going to be released as you become more attracted to God and attracted to yourself and attracted to a purpose. The more you become attracted to God, the more you become attracted to your personal development, and the more you become attracted to your purpose, then those things will be released because then you will have matured at the level enough to attract those things. Let me tell you something. You have to be the type of magnet to draw big things. A little magnet can't pull a car. A magnet the size of the car can pull the car. So I have to be a magnet at, at, the, at the size of the thing that I want to draw. And the only way... I can be the size magnet to be able to draw big things as if I desire for God to be magnified by my life. The more I magnify God, the more I become masterful, the bigger I become as a magnet to draw things that are that are bigger than what I used to be. So you can't be who you was yesterday and expect to draw a big future. You got to continuously in magnifying God and becoming a master of yourself and a master of your craft that you'll be able to draw things bigger. So that you can't be so broadly impacted by broad attractions or you're going to cheat on your wife one day. You have to be so focused on the specific attractions because you know that you only want what God has for you. That's the mindset that I have. I only want what God has for me. Yes, you may have that. They may have that. But I only want what God has for me. So if you continue to mature in the things of God and desire to magnify God and become a master of your craft, then you will begin to see the fine-tuning of your attractions. Now, when it comes to too high or too low, as you grow, you will see. Like I said, for my, my wife, I used to wonder why I was attracted to Fancy. Fancy from the Jamie Foxx show. When I was a kid, I was like, why am I attracted to that type of woman? Because my purpose in my future was already in me. So whatever I'm attracted to outside of me is, is connecting to something inside of me, even though I was too immature to be able to process why did I like fancy? And as years begin to progress, things begin to be fashioned from what was once fancy became to be fashioned for me and my wife that was similar to her. 
So whatever that's inside of you purposefully, you're going to find yourself somewhat attracted to. But as you begin to develop your relationship with God, as you begin to grow in personal development, and the more you begin to focus on your purpose, the more you will begin to see the alignment of the purposes of God for you. Then you said, sometimes I'm a bit scared to meet new people. Well, the thing is, it's not about what you know in life. It's about who you know. So you can't be afraid of meeting people because all of my promotions did not come from here. It came from people who's, who, who connected to me. So you got all knowledge in the world, but if you don't have people to get you to where you got to go, you're not going to get there. So don't be scared to meet new people, right? Just continue to have meetings with God and meetings with yourself, and then you will become a, a person that is more confident when you're out there and about. You did say, my desire to have a wife is high, and I feel lonely sometimes. Now, loneliness, to a degree, is the bigger, the biggest threat to longingness. If you can't handle being alone, then how can you handle being alongside? If you can't handle being alone with God and being alone with yourself, then how are you going to handle being alone with somebody else? The reason why we're longing from lonely is because we don't realize who's our friend, who's there with us. I was going to say homie, but I don't want y'all to look at guys as a homie, right? But what I'm saying is our longing comes from our lonely and we forget about the person who was alongside us the whole time. And the more that we begin to understand his presence everywhere we go, the more we tap in. Right now, I'm tapping into the presence of God creatively. That's why I'm able to flow with these videos like this. I'm tapped in. The reason why we're lonely is because we're not tapped in. We're not tapped in to God's omnipotent, uh, not but omniscient and omnipresence, right? When you tap into those two, those three essences of him, every day I have to tap into his omnipresence. He is present, which means he's a present help in the time of trouble. I'm tapped in. He's present. I, his presence produces reverence. His presence creates reverence. His presence keeps or creates a refueling. His presence creates a lot of different things because I'm tapped in. His omniscience, I have to tap in because in his omniscience, whatever I lack in wisdom, I can ask of him and he will give it to me without limit. Then it will balance out your strong desires for a wife. It will balance all your strong desires because you begin to, you begin to desire to delight yourself in him. If you delight yourself in him, then your desires will follow suit. And then you will find the one suitable hired for you to be with you. So you have to begin to understand, what can I do with this season? I, I know that season, fam. I know what it's like to, to want a wife. I've been there, fam. But these books didn't come out of nowhere. These videos didn't come out of nowhere. I just said, am I going to sit here till I die? Am I going to sit here till I die crying about my loneliness, worrying about when my wife is going to come, or am I going to match the wife I want? Instead of dreaming about the woman you want, prepare for the woman you want. Mm. Instead of asking and praying for the woman you want or the man you want, you got to prepare for the woman you want. That increases the validity and the value of your singleness. Now your singleness becomes even more valuable because now you see it as a prerequisite to marriage. And then you're going to be able to say, okay, what must I do? Who must I become to be alongside with this someone? Then that makes you see being alone, not as a penalty, but as a benefit. Because now you begin to say, okay, if this is the type of woman I want, a woman of God, a woman that's fit, a woman that's healthy, a woman that's smart, a woman, a woman, a woman, whatever, 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 or a man, whatever, whatever, I got to see, am I that whatever? 
Because a man of God ain't going to want no woman of the world. A woman of God ain't going to want no man of the world. A healthy man ain't going to want no pig. A healthy woman ain't going to want no slob. A, 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 a smart man ain't going to want no dumb woman. Like, you can't equal, you cannot match if you can't catch. If you can't catch it, put the mitten down and prepare yourself to catch it when it comes. Hope to help. We got a lot more questions coming in. Patience, thank you so much for your super chat. I appreciate your generosity. And all those who give, give through my website. They give through Cash App. Thank y'all so much for supporting what I do. Your support help us with children, help us with kids, um, develop their purpose. It also helps us with the, what we're doing online and what we want to do offline that we want to bring online, like other resources, books and card games, stuff like that. So y'all support help us tremendously and the link is in my description box and for those who I'm going to post it now for those who want to support you can through one of these measures here so I appreciate y'all's generosity in advance so I, I appreciate that alright let's see here <clears throat> where am I at my boy Kenny Mack helping me preach on the day alright here we go let's keep going now that I got the engine revved up now, 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 we, now we cooking he says, hey, coach, I'm 25 and never been in a serious relationship. I've decided to be content in my singleness and wait for God's timing. I'm worried, though, because my relationship experience is limited. The only relationship experience that you have to have is with God and with yourself. Let me get to read the other part. Will my spiritual maturely correlate to relationship maturity? Will God give the knowledge for a marriage without a lot of experience? Thanks for your input, coach. Great question. Let's break it down sentence by sentence. Hey, coach, I'm 25. I've never been in a serious relationship. You have been in a serious relationship. You have two serious relationships right now in front of you. God and yourself. If you don't take those two relationships seriously, you won't take the next one seriously. But I hear what you're saying. But the seriousness that you put in your relationship with God will determine the seriousness that you put in your relationship with yourself, which then puts you in a position to take your relationship seriously. Right? Because the reason why marriage is not taken seriously, women are not taken seriously, husbands are not taken seriously, wives are not taken seriously, because we're not taking our first two relationships seriously. When you take God serious, then you'll walk in reverence. And the Bible says, when a, without uh, um, uh, that, uh, the begin, um, that, hold on. <laughs> the Bible says that uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So if I don't take God seriously, then I won't walk in reverence. And if I don't walk in reverence, then how will I be a present when I'm present? How would I be able to walk in wisdom, right? So you have to take God seriously because that creates a unique reverence in you and taking you seriously. And then when you take you seriously, then you will be in position to take the one seriously. So he said, I've decided to be content in myself, which is great. Because if you can't build a tent by yourself, you're not going to be able to build a tent with someone else. If you can't construct a tent alone with God, you're not going to be able to construct a tent with someone else. Because marriage is all about moving. Seasons, you can't build a house in a temporary place. So if you can't be content or construct tents by yourself where you are, then you're not going to be able to construct tents with someone else. And especially when it's time to move, you'll be too settled in one season of your marriage that you're not going to be able to move in the next. So contentment means I have to be okay with constructing tents often. In order to construct tents, I have to see the value of where the tent needs to be constructed. And if I am not content with God and building tents with him and building tents with myself, I'm not going to be able to build tents with someone else. So that's great that you're waiting for God's timing because that's essential because everything has a time stamp. God is above time. Everything in time is trying to catch up with eternity. Everything in time is 
has been settled and set by the divine so that those that walk in line and are connected to the divine will see things manifest in time. So God's time, he says, if you take care of today's time, what is what was meant to be released in tomorrow's time will be released in tomorrow when it becomes today. Second part says, I'm worried though. Now you got to stay and look at that word worried. Why are you worried? Why are you worried? Are you worried because everybody else has somebody? You can't compare your life to other people's lives because most people's lives are lies. Most people's lives are lies. That's one of the most traumatic things that happened in society when society created social media. Not everybody's comparing their low life to other people's highlights and they wonder why they're not getting high enough. They wonder why they're not excelling enough because they allow themselves to be stifled by somebody else's success. Now, you said, I'm worried though because my relationship experience is limited. Will my spiritual maturity correlate to relationship maturity? Will God give the knowledge for a marriage without a lot of experience? Listen, let me tell you this. Every relationship aids the relationship. How you treat... So what I'm saying is communication skills are in every relationship. Patience is in every relationship. Certain truths and principles are found everywhere, right? If you're not patient with God, you won't be patient in life. If you're not patient with yourself, you're not going to be patient with a wife or a husband, right? So... You have to begin to utilize all relationships as training to develop the empathy, patience, understanding you need. Because you're going to end up marrying a person, right? The reason why people don't need relationship experience because most relationship experience comes with relationship disappearance. And relationship experience comes with affecting relational, personal relationship, relational uh, appearance, so when you keep getting a relationship and there keeps if you if you keep having a relationship experience and you keep experiencing relationship disappearance, then what's going to happen? How you view your appearance, and then when a person actually appear behind your fence, you won't be able to see yourself in the way that God wants you to see yourself. So relationship experience is more dangerous than it is helpful. But the beautiful thing is, you were only designed to have three intimate relationships. Intimate relationship with God, intimate relationship with self, intimate relationship with the person. And what I mean by intimate, don't get confused with sexual. I'm talking about intimate in the sharing of heart and sharing of soul in, in, in its deepest form. It's supposed to be between God, yourself, and your, your wife or husband or children. It wasn't meant for you to experience that with all these type of guys and all these type of girls because it causes confusion. And the Bible says where there's confusion is every evil work. So evil is working in a lot of lives because people are confused about relationships. So to answer your question, the Bible says if you lack wisdom on anything, he'll give it to you. The beautiful thing about me and my wife's relationship into marriage was we did a lot of new things together. We learned together. The beautiful thing about the relationship in marriage is, especially if you wait till marriage to have sex, is that you get a chance to learn that without compromise, without confusion, without comparison. You're able to grow. So the things that you learn in life now, in your singleness, utilize the people around you to develop the fundamental aspects of relationship, which is honor, dignity, respect, communication, empathy, understanding, patience. Right? That comes with relationship with God. He'll then give you the intangible things for a tangible relationship. So comparison will cause you to try to creep in 
into a relationship, then you start finding yourself sleeping in those relationships and then tripping, falling, messing up over. And then you have no tools and skills for your relationship when God brings it. So God, your spiritual maturity will correlate into everything else because all you need is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will then teach you all things. It will point you to Christ. It will help you to live this life more abundantly. And then you will actually have greater tools and skills and talents and understandings and perspectives to actually offer a prospect. Hope to help. Amen. God, God's word. God is speaking on unto, on, 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 unto us today. Young New says, God has the best for me. He has the best for you. Period. Nobody can outbless God because only God has the best. The devil can give you everything in the world. A person can give you everything in the world and it won't even come this close. It won't even come 50 billion miles close to God's best. So whoever the woman you see right now, that ain't God's best unless that's God's best. You see what I'm saying? So you don't have to stress. All you can do is rest because you know God has your best. And when you have that in the back of your mind, you'll rest. My wife looked just like Fancy Phil. And I was like, why, why am I attracted to Fancy so much? And then God said, I got something for you. God is funny, bro. Everything in life since you were born to a degree is pointing you to what God has for you. The issue is the devil has implemented within societal norms, distractions to pull you from what's obviously trying to point you in the right direction. Aaron Hopkins says, Biblically, is death an area where God received us after death or does he call us home? A statement I've heard in the Baptist church. Is death an area where God received us after death or does he call us home? Um, Let me see. Um, It all depends. Some things I just... Uh, I, uh, some things are just above my intellectual understanding even though I can take an intellectual stab at it. I can look at it through a wisdom lens, but sometimes uh, let's make it plain. I don't know the I don't know the particular statement from the Baptist Church. Um, I think it's a little mixture of both. I think some people, you know, it was just their time to go, so he receives. Um, God is not a murderer, so I think God just says, you know what? Um, I don't know, man. I don't want to say anything because that that could, that's a fine line in articulating that. And I don't want to dis uh, or misrepresent God in that. So I, I got maybe send, give me some more clarifying words, statements, so I can better get a be get a better understanding of exactly what they say in the Baptist Church, and what exactly that you're looking for, so I can help you at least from some angle. Good morning to you too. Good morning. Good. Morning. We're glad to have you. Uh, let's see here. Jessica J says, hey coach, hope you're doing okay, I'm doing well, all's well. I have a question about the discernment. How do I test the spirits to make sure it's the Holy Spirit? I asked the voice or thought that speaks back to me, do they love Jesus? I'm not sure if that's how to grow in discernment. Well, this how you could, the Bible says, beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test every spirit. The first words that you have to process is the word beloved. You have to be loved by God. You have to be God's beloved. You have to be loved. Love puts limits. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Like, like love, when I know I'm loved, 
I walk more confidently. When I know that I'm loved by God, I'm patient. When I know that I'm loved by God, I'll wait for his best. When I know that I'm loved by God, I know his voice, right? It says, beloved, when you let God love you, the more your listening ear will be more distinctive and distinguishing between what's deep inside of you, what's demonic and what's divine, right? So discernment comes from discipleship. Discipleship births from a decision. A decision is birthed from a divine pursuit. Because God divinely pursued me, it shows the validity of my dignity because the divine pursued me, which shows that I'm loved. Then when I'm loved, I don't just believe everything. So when everything comes to my table, I take time to sit and to decipher if it's, if I have the able or the ability to indulge into what's on my table. Because I'm loved, therefore I know God has his best, therefore I'm patient enough to determine and take the time to perceive if this is what is something I should receive. So when you know that you guys beloved, you'll take time, you won't be set up or programmed to believe everything. Then you'll but test. You'll test everything to see if it's of God. The best way to know if it's from God is to spend time with him, to read his word, and to still your life, and to take time to think. Some things we don't need the Holy Ghost for. Some things we just need common sense. You know what I'm saying? God gave us a brain. He wants us not to be overly dependent nor overly independent. He wants us interdependent. If he didn't want if he want if he didn't want us to be interdependent, then why he give us a mind? He wants us to be children who are able to think in alignment to how he would think through the spirit of God's leading. So you don't want to ask the voice. You want to ask the voice. You don't want to ask everything that come at you who sent you. You want to you want to know God's voice so much that you'll be able to determine different ones. Everybody knows that when you're a kid, a parent always knows their kids cry, and a kid always knows their mama's call or daddy's call. Every parent know their knows their kids cry because of relationship. And every kid knows their dad or mom's call because they relationship. Discernment is developed through relationship. Now, how do you test? I have these four points that I have in my book right here. If you have any questions about discernment or how God confirms things or the characteristics of a counterfeit or a counterpart, this book is gold. God, I wrote this book maybe two years ago, Counterfeit or Counterpart, How to Continue to Discern the Will of God in Every Area of Your Life. This book right here, I believe, will change your life and will help you with this. In this book, I talk about four things to test. Before you give your best, you must test to see its temperament. If it comes with the worldly temperament, hot temperament, pressuring temperament, don't give into it. Test its temperament. Everything God comes your way comes with peace. The Bible says the blessing Lord adds no sorrow. The devil cannot be peaceful. I told my students about um, the world, like the devil. The devil cannot use cannot use God's trademarked images. We were talking about the uh, LGBTQ XYZ flag. They missing one color. They cannot use the rainbow because the rainbow is tra is a trademark symbol by God. Therefore, they can't use all the colors in the rainbow because the rainbow's trademark. The devil cannot create. He can only copy. He cannot create. He can only confuse.
right? So the more you begin to understand that, the more you will take a sit back to see if you should take on that. And you look at his temperament. Next, you got to look at the end result. If I entertain this, what will be the end result of this? Which means you have to program yourself to think 30, not 30, three moves ahead to whether or not you should give anything to it. Next, you got to see, is it scripturally supported? Is what I'm hearing scripturally supported? Does the word of God condone me into doing this or thinking this way? And last but not least, ask, is it the right timing? Is it the right timing to do this thing? And that's how you test to see whether you should give your best to it. Hope that Love Lusson says, how do I deal with sexual, sexual sin? Well, you deal with sexual sin by looking in the sin. You never look at the sin or around the sin. You look in the sin. You look in the sin. You see, in the sin. You look in the sin to see what's really in the sin. When you look in the sin and pop the hood and you look in it, you begin to see you can't win with it. You can't win with it because this thing is designed to destroy. It's a cancer. It, it, it destroys everything that it's in. So when I look in and see that it, what it was meant to do, I won't let it in me and you won't let it in you. Sexual sin distinctively outside of all other sins is the only sin that can destroy you from within. If I lie, I hurt somebody. If I cheat, I hurt somebody. If I hit, I hurt somebody. But when I sexually sin, I hurt myself because sex is so intimately woven within every aspect of ourselves that we hurt ourselves when we do it outside of its, of its rightful place. How? Because when someone orgasms or when someone has sex, it affects the body, it affects the mind, it affects the spirit, it affects everything in it. How? Because when you are having sex with someone, your body then begins to register biologically and bodily that this must be the person that we're going to have sex with. That's why when a bigger man goes into a woman, her vagina matches the size of that man. Any little man gets in there, she's going to fill a gaping hole in between. Or if someone else bigger, it begins to mold itself to the man that was meant for that self. <clears throat> mentally, when you have sex with someone, you're mentally all over the place, emotionally all over the place, if it's not done in the right place. That's why marriage, sex, marriage is the safest place for sex. Let's get a little bit deeper. A marriage where both the husband and the wife honor God, that's the only place where sex is safe. You can still be married and sex is still not safe. Because that man or that woman still has an open window, open door, or open marriage policy for somebody else to plumb through. Right? So when you understand sex for what it really is, that it was designed by God for a particular destination of life, then you would take it more seriously. That's why the devil has downgraded it in the minds of everyone, making it seem like that it's Legos, that it's Hot Wheels, that it's, that it's Barbies, that it's, that it's a toy that you can enjoy, but don't understand there's a ploy that comes with it that destroys you down the road. So that's why in society he has dumbed down the severity of sex to the point to where everyone thinks it's just something that you can do, not knowing that it affects you in so many ways. 
And if you're not spiritually in tune with God, if you're not intimate with God, hear me, we're not talking about sexual, but when you're not intimate, involved with God, engaged in God, you won't be able to understand the various forms of intimacy. Sex is not the ultimate form of intimacy. The bonding of becoming one flesh when a man leaves and cleaves, the bonding that he receives with his wife is precious in the sight of God because it's the unison of two souls, souls tied together for the right ride that God wants to take them down on and the potency of sex is so potent that it creates a human being so when sex has been downgraded in the minds of people in society to the, to the level of toys then people start engaging with it and then find themselves confused with it so when you see the depths of an act it will cause you to act accordingly to what the original design and author of it wants you to enjoy it Sex is beautiful. God created. God created every sexual point. He created the, the, the man to receive sexual whatever in whatever area sexually. And women body parts to receive sexual uh, uh, whatever, whatever. It's because it was something designed for marriage. So when I or when a husband and a wife truly love God and honor God, they understand intimacy in a deeper way. Let me tell you something. Making lust is easier than making love. Making love is difficult. Making intimacy, making making uh, making lust is easy. You in a car, you in you uh, in a passenger seat, back seat, hotel, motel, uh, 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 by the well, <laughs> wherever you are, right? It's more it's more exciting. Sex outside of marriage is more exciting because of the thrill, because of because because of it's because it's wrong. We get more thrill out of what's wrong because we know it's wrong, but we want to see what we get away with it. Making love with your wife is difficult because it's right. <laughs> and because there's a lot of wrong in us, there's a lot of longing and longing in us, right? That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our marriage to give us perspective on what love is because making lust she got her hair did she got her toes done she got her nails done her dress is short so of course that in form of intimacy is more intriguing than your wife with a bonnet and your wife turns over talking about she wants sex and she got a bottle that's different making lust if you lustful you ain't gonna want to make love to your wife because your wife is not looking like the woman in the streets but when you got love in your heart, you'll make love to your wife no matter what because you love her, not lust for her. Now, how do you deal with sexual sin? You got to look deeper. You got to look deeper. Because if you look at the sexual sin, you will try to treat that, but you won't treat what's deeper. You got to deal with what's deep. Only God knows the depths of you on why you are more susceptible or more prone to do sexual sin. You got to look deeper. You got to say, Holy Spirit, show me why I have this issue. Because if we treat the symptom but never deal with the root, it'll sprout up from you down the road. How to deal with sexual sin? You got to understand um, um, what that's, that you have to look at that sin as an enemy. You got to look deep within to see the real reason why you're doing it. And you got to see that sin as an enemy. Pornography is an enemy. Sex is an enemy outside of the proper context. It's an enemy. How is it enemy? Educate yourself on how is it enemy in God's word. Educate yourself on why it's going to destroy you. Right? Next way how you deal with sexual sin, you got to acknowledge God more. 
He's a present help in a time of trouble. You got to acknowledge his help. God, I need you. I acknowledge you everywhere to help me in every situation. Help me with this. And then God will then assist you with the direct, developing the accurate type of system to support you as you deal with it. Because you got to always be on guard with that sin forever. Be on guard because your body has to a degree been tuned to it. And you got to let God deliver you from it. Last but not least, how to deal with sexual sin. You got you to gotta let God love you. You got to let God love you. And you have to understand that God loves you. Because most people, when they do sin, they think that God doesn't want to want them anymore. No, God wants you. He loves you. He chose you with that future sin in mind. He knew he was going to make that mistake. I give this analogy to my kids all the time. I tell them when a person is in real estate and they, they flip houses, when they go to an abandoned house, what do they see? Some students will say they see an abandoned house. Some students say, no, they see, they see the potential house. That's right. They chose that abandoned house. Even though it was cheaper, mm. the abandoned house was cheaper, but he still paid top dollar for it because he knew the equity, mm -hmm. the equity, the equity and glory that I will receive when I refurbish and flip this home. So I say the same thing, the same way a real estate man or woman looks or a house flipper looks at a house or a home, the same way God looked at us. He saw the flip, not the dip. He saw the flip. He saw not what you was dipped in. Oh my God. He didn't see what you was dipped in. He didn't care about the sin that you dipped in. He sees what you're going to flip in. He sees who you're going to be. So God can care less about what you dipped in. He sees what's, what you're going to flip into. So you got to let him flip you to be the person you were designed to be. So how do you deal with sexual sin? You got to look deeper than the sin to find the root of the sin. You got to educate yourself about sex and understand that a sexual sin is an enemy to you. You got to start acknowledging God more in your life and you got to let God love you because God wants to flip you into a better version of yourself to create equity in that place so that when you're set before other people and people want to buy into you, they'll see the glory of God in and around you. Hope to help. Justin Say says, I'm not sure if that's how to grow. Okay, you got, I got that question. Okay, good. <clears throat> Ooh, that was powerful, Holy Ghost. That was powerful. Y'all need to share that with somebody at that timestamp at the 40-something minute mark. That was powerful. Powerful, Holy Spirit, man. You, my kid in the building. Hey, kid, you you better be listening. You listening now. Take notes, kid. T take notes. No, I'm joking, mess with it. Let me stop messing with it before she get, before she get off my live. <clears throat> Turner says, do you have any guidance on how to discern dreams? My wife is a dream. She's a dream discerner. I'm not. That's not my lane. My, my, my wife and her mom, dream interpret. They modern day Josephs. <laughs> I'm just Joshua. <laughs> <He's> a, uh, <clears throat> I can discern purposes, but not dreams, my friend. I'm not good at dreams. I'm sorry, my brother. My sister, I'm not good at dreams. Interpreting dreams, I'm but on guidance on how to discern dreams, write them down and let God confirm it. That's the best. That's the only thing I can give you about that. I'm so sorry. Just say, how do you believe? Hey, do you believe in the? Okay. Jessica J says, hey, do you believe in the one person in marriage or, or we can be with any godly person? Great question. Well, Follow my thought process and a caveat, a disclaimer, I'm not God, okay? This is how my thought process, right? 
do I believe uh, there's two different wills there's God's perfect will and there's God's permissible will God's perfect will has the one in it God's permissible will can have anyone in it God has to lay out his perfect will he has to guide you at different markets towards his perfect will or he can't properly judge you because when someone dies and they have no significant moments where there was urges, nudges or whatever, then they can stand before God on judgment. They'd be like, well, you never told me that. So God's perfect will is always to a degree is going to urge you, point you, guide you to where when God shows the real in heaven of all the moments and markers of time in life where he showed you this perfect will for you, you can't stand before him and say that God, you never showed me. So that's God's perfect. Will. So God's perfect will has the one in it. And the more you align yourself with the perfect will of God, the chances are of finding the perfect one. God and his omniscience already knows the couples who desire to be in God's perfect will. Therefore, they end up meeting the one. There are certain people that allows the, the compromises of life, sin or whatever to get in the way, causing them to fall into God's permissible will. God permits it and God says, I can redeem it. I can use it. All that good stuff. But it's not wasn't my perfect will. Right. Also, you look at my friend of mine, I also look at it that there are certain people, if you look at the army, if you look at um, the defense uh, uh, leg of any country, there's different ranks. I do believe that there are certain people at the top that God really don't go out of his way because God made the way. He don't go out of his way, but God makes a way for those individuals to find each other because of the significant level of their calling to a degree. Then there are certain people that God's like, nah, there's the one out there, but uh -huh. <laughs> and then there's some people that he just knows ain't going to listen to him. The more you line up to God's perfect will, you find God's person for you. The more you start getting into the purposes of the world and things of the world, you fall into God's permissible will. Can God use it? Yeah. But is it God's perfect? No. Hope that answers your question. So I met my one because I, I did the best that I could through the help of the Holy Ghost to be in God's will. And then God's will met me because I desired his will. Can God redeem wasted time? If you sing it right now, I can stick it for you. Yeah, God can redeem the time. God redeems the time based upon how willing you are to renew your mind. You renew your mind, God redeems the time, and then God can orchestrate everything together because everything has already been orchestrated. Hope to help. Let's see here. My brother Kenny, man, I, I, I'm feeling you, my brother. Thank you, brother, helping me preach on the day. Oh, God gets the glory. Wow, thanks, coach. I'm going to just focus on my relationship with with. And everything else will work. That's it. Everything will work itself out when you work the will of God in your life. Everything works itself out when you work the will of God out. My brother said, period. Um, uh, Lifestyle says, if a person keeps you in the gray area of waiting to fully commit, but they are living their best life, how do I separate myself from that hurt? Great question. Live your best life. Listen, it's black or white, never gray. I've never seen a contract on gray paper. Mm. I've never seen a contract on gray paper. It's always on white paper with black ink. That's black and white, plain and simple. If a person won't fully commit, then they're not legit. Then you should quit. Simple as that. And they're not living their best life. Everybody's living their best life. But but no one will eventually live their best life. You can you can live a best life. You can be out, you can go out there and get in debt and live your best life. You can go out there and live your life, live your best life. But you can do all that stuff and live your best life. But my best life is my whole life. You can live your best life right now. I want to live my best life from the here, from the here now, till when I get taken up.
So now the real question is, is not the real question, but you have to understand, is that <clears throat> just because someone posts something online doesn't mean their offline is great. Everybody has, to a degree, an amazing online, but a trash. A lot of people got a trash offline. I don't measure a person by how they look online. Instagram, <clears throat> social media, I don't be paying attention to nobody. I don't even really be. That's why you never really see me post a lot of stuff about my life, because my off life. My offline life is amazing. Online life, I'm just posting a bunch of ministry stuff, funny stuff, food stuff. Because right? my offline life is amazing. Let me tell you something. The most valuable things in life you protect. People who show their kids, show their family all the time, all that stuff, you don't really value them. The world's a sick place. When you value things, you hide them, you protect them. Now, in, if you see us in public, you see me open the door for my wife. You see me loving my wife. But am I going to show my love for my wife every day online? No. So people are going to show all their online stuff because they have nothing offline. So they want to change the way you see them online and their offline is trash. You was with them. If they can't commit to you, they shows their lack of commitment to God. So why are you letting them keep you in the gray? Why are you allowing them to keep you confused? Because when you are confused... Every evil work is at play. Manipulation. Now, confusion opens the door for evil work. How does confusion open the door for evil work? The Bible says where there's confusion is every evil work because when the mind is not clear, everything can appear to be real. Right? So if I'm confused, then I may stay, I may start creating a fantasy world of what I think is real, but doesn't match what real, and then I think this is real, then I start making deals in a metaverse versus in the universe, and I wonder why I'm not really matching up my life with the real verse, which is God. So then all of a sudden, I'm all over the place dreaming, I'm in the metaverse, I'm living this unreal life, I'm creating all these imaginary things that ain't real, then I start making real deals with something that ain't real, then I still get, and then I end up getting real consequences from real decisions that I've made from an unreal world. So now I'm confused and I'm thinking, then it sets me up to get low self-esteem. Then, then it starts bringing a crazy out of you because you're comparing yourself with another woman that he's talking to. Then it starts bringing all this crazy out of you. Then you start trying to dress up better to get his attention. Then you start cutting tires to get his attention. Then you start throwing his clothes everywhere to get his so attention. Confusion creates all type of evil type of scenarios. So you have to understand, you got to get out the gray. You got to go deeper and say, what inside of me is keeping me with someone that don't even want me? And it's typically insecurities or low self-esteem. Why do you want to stay with something toxic? Right? So you got to be able to say, okay, man, what is really keeping me in this? It ain't him. It's something deeper in you that's keeping you with this fool who's living foolishly with you. So how do you separate this yourself from the world? You got to acknowledge the hurt. What's really hurting you? How to come out of this hurt, you got to ask yourself and be honest with yourself. What's really hurting you? Because it ain't Tyrone. It ain't Rashad. He ain't, he ain't hurting you. You're letting him hurt you, but the real hurt is deeper inside. So you got to be honest with yourself and ask yourself what really hurts you. Number two, you got to better understand God's love for you. Understand God's love for you. Understand the, the, the uniqueness of you. You got to better understand God and understand you. Because if not... You're not going to get out of this hurt. Next, you got to develop a regiment. You cannot, you cannot allow yourself to have an idle time. You got to develop a regiment. You got to say, okay, I got to be real with myself. I got to, I got to uh, develop a regiment to develop myself. And then, next, last but not least, give yourself time to heal 
And know that God's timing is real. That God has the right timing for the right man for you who won't hurt you like this. Hope to help. Hmm. Hmm. It was a play on words. Metaverse, universe. Metaverse is uh, what they're creating in this world that you can use uh, virtual reality goggles to get into. And the universe is what God created. Well, you know, I don't believe in the universe like that. You know, I, I believe the earth is flat. It is what it is. So I don't believe in moon, um, planets and stuff like that. Um, anyway, that's a topic for another day. Um, do you research on that stuff? Are we living a gravity experience or are we living uh, a density experience? Because I'm like, why, why when a piece of lint, it floats down, is gravity the most intellectual being of all time that is able to give the right amount of gravity to the right thing at the right time where it doesn't crush the other thing? So the gravity that's pulling down the waters and the oceans, not crushing me, and what's pulling me down won't crush the lint that's floating down? Or is it just the heaviest things come down and stays down? Anyway. Guys, it's a great education about the difference in love and lust. You're so welcome. Coach, I'm not sure what my purpose is. I'm praying about it. I work as a retailer and I love my work. I want to be as successful as possible. Uh, <clears throat> keep praying about it. Like I always say, be purposeful in everything that you do. Be purposeful in everything that you do. Find the purposes for everything that you do. From the word of God. What is the purpose of being a man? What's the purpose of whatever, whatever, right? Find a purpose. And the more purposeful you are, the more you'll find yourself in purpose, right? And in the meantime, God in his timing will reveal to you or give clarity to the purpose that you're going to walk in, right? <clears throat> you said, I work as a reason. I've worked at Harris Teeter. I worked at a grocery store before. I worked at a, as a, in a call center before. Every job teaches you about the, your calling. Every job. The, what, what I learned at Harris Teeter helped, is helping me right now in the school system. What I learned from the call center is helping me right now. Especially dealing with parents and stuff. Like, especially in my elementary days. What I learned from the YMCA taught me everything I learned to, uh, help, is helping me right now. Every job gives a lob. Every job gives a lob to open doorknobs for you. So success is about being successful in the moment, not successful later. Hope to help. You need to tell Miss Hazy your dreams. Hey, if you can find it, she, she, you know, right now these days, you got to pay a hot. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm cheaper than her. <laughs> I'm cheaper than her. <laughs> I'm just joking. She don't got no prices, but you know, I'm talking about she, she, she don't play no games with her time. I'm just joking. Yeah, talk to her, her mom, somebody. <laughs> She's more expensive than me, bro. <laughs> how can one learn how to speak in tongues? Uh, Holy Spirit, man. Um, learn how to speak in tongues? Great question. Um, I, I usually lead people into that. but um, Talk to your pastor at your local church if they believe in that and, and ask them to guide you in that. Hope they help. Advi uh, awesome advice. I want to be in his perfect will. God gets the glory. He he will get you in your perfect will. How do I acquire the gift of speaking in tongues? How do you acquire the gift of speaking in tongues? Well, ask the Holy Spirit. If you don't have nobody to help guide you, then ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I want to speak in tongues. And he'll orchestrate, he'll order things orderly for you to be able to do that. I promise you on that. 
That's right. Your best life is your whole life. I don't want my best life now. I want my best life forever. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out to your understandings. I've learned over the years that I have to give all. That's right. Everything has. The older you get, you don't have time to hold stuff that God can hold. <laughs> your knees start aching. Your back hurt. I'm saying, I woke up this morning. I woke up and I said, man, why am I walking like this? <laughs> I said, man, I'm getting old. The older I get, the less carries I want to care. I mean, the less cares I want to carry. Amen, amen, amen. See, my kids know. My kids know we talk. <laughs> my kid hilarious, man. We was talking about... Uh, <coughs> <coughs> A kid asked the kid. One of the kid in my my ninth grade class. They asked me, uh, "Do you think the Earth?" They said, "What they asked me, kid? They asked me if is the do you think do you believe the Earth is round or something?" I said, "I know the Earth is flat." <laughs> and then I had to go. Of course, the kids like what? And then I had to you know whatever. And then we after we talked for like 10, 15 minutes, one kid came around and said, um, "One of the kids in the class said, so we're just a snow globe." <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, we just a snow globe sitting on God's desk. And when it snow when it snows, he just shakes the <laughs> Kids are great, man. <laughs> I didn't answer your question. Let me see. Oh, why did I skip this? My bad. Thank you for letting me know. Hi, hi, coach. How do you really study the Bible at home? I'm not sure, but I feel like I'm led to evangelize abroad, but I'm insecure about my knowledge. Well, the Bible says don't worry about what you will speak because in that hour I'll give you what to speak, right? You don't want to get so caught up in knowledge of God's word. The best way to gain knowledge of God's word is to live God's word. There is maybe seven to ten verses that are deep inside of me. Because I lived them. I I used to read over James 1, 2 through 3. Count all joy when you go through various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And when patience has full effect or path has perfect work, you'll become whole, complete, lacking nothing. That scripture I just read over. But that scripture now? Deep. Because I done went through some trials. The Bible that says, um, be anxious for nothing. But with prayer supplication, with thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. Oh, I oh, 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 I know that because I lived it. Trust in the Lord in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your understandings in all your ways and all you can make your pastor. I've lived it. Bible study becomes real when you allow the Bible to study you. Hmm. Bible study becomes more real when you let the Bible read you. See, when you allow the Bible to read you and it reveals stuff in you and then you begin to see the word of God play out in your life, play in your life and play from your life. And then you start playing in life as a viable character or player in life. Then you then when you out there in the present with people, you will have lived it. See, God will bring you to your people that you're supposed to reach. All of y'all on my channel because y'all connect to one variance of my testimony. You guys connect in some very in some variable or part of of some people connect to me because they're sick they're single right now. Some people connect to me because of 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 purpose right now. People connect to me because of my knowledge of God's word right now. Some people are connected to me because because of my coaching and my advice giving. Some way you connect to me, the people will find you when you become the person you the people need. 
The people will find you when you become the person the people need. So when you begin to bend your knee and then pray to God to make you the person you need to be, then you will be the need that people need. You will be the answer the people need. So right now, abroad may not be now. He may just be saying, okay, get to know me. Allow the word to study you. Look into the perfect law of liberty. Let the thing liberate you. And then when you're at home, what you do is create a create an uninterrupted environment. An uninterruptible environment. Create an uninterruptible environment. Create an uninterruptible environment. It's very pivotal. Turn your phone on airplane mode. Get into a room. Cut every unplug TV. If you got to unplug, cut, do what you got to do, and then just open the Word. Now, here's a plan that you can start with. You can do a proverb a day, and a gospel a month. A proverb a day. I tell my kids keep the devil away. You know, I say apple a day. A proverb a day can 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 keep the devil away if you apply it. And then get a notebook. What well, I did for years, I had notebooks probably this high, where I just read God's Word. And I'll let the, I'll write down what the word is reading about me. How can I apply it? What is in me that's trying to make me slide by it? What I mean by that? What is trying to keep me? What's trying to help? What's trying to keep me from uh, reading that word? What's trying to make me keep me from reading it? And then I know I got to fix that area. I, I, so when you write it down, you're taking it a next step beyond reading. So when you just read the word, and that's why most people devotionals have been diluted to just reading. No, when you go from reading to proceeding, you go from reading to proceeding, and then you let the that the word of God do the leading, then you will find yourself defeating. Right? You'll find yourself successful. And when people come to you, you will be able to minister from a real place because you allow the word of God to reveal you in a real way who you really are, and God's uh, design for you. And then all those hard times will be behind you. Jess says, when you analyze the word and write, I'm only doing this. So I know y'all, I know y'all is like, you know, why are you skipping me? Usually when I go down, people are, are, are asking me things that are tailored to the question that I just did. Jess says, when you analyze the word and write it down, how many scriptures do you go through a day? Sometimes it just be one scripture. Sometimes half of a scripture. Let me give you an example. This book right here, <clears throat> this book right here was birthed out of First John four. Beloved, do not be, do not uh, beloved do not believe every spirit, but test every spirit. One scripture produced this whole book. I remember the day when I was on this book, how I just sat with that one scripture forever. I, <clears throat> it took me, <clears throat> it took me a long time just to get beyond beloved. Kenny knows. My brother Kenny will tell you. It took me forever to get beyond beloved. I studied beloved for like days. What does it mean to be God's beloved? What does that mean in the Greek or in the Hebrew? What is what is beloved? What is what, what does it mean to be loved? And I did the play on words, be loved to be God's beloved. How does beloved correlate to belief? How does belief correlate to but test? You see the three B's? So I can spend, I don't have to, I have to go over 50 scriptures in one day. Sometimes, okay, this is what I do. I always tell people, don't read beyond the speed limit. 
If you feel the Holy Spirit is only wanting you to go five miles per hour in the word, go five miles per hour. Feel every bump of the word. Feel every speed bump of the word. The issue is the reason why we're messed up as vehicles or vessels is because we run over speed bumps. We run over speed bumps. The Holy Spirit, like that's a bump right there. Stay there. Go over that slow. Don't go over that speed bump fast. So when I, when a beloved, another book that came out, this book right here was birthed out of count it all joy when you go through various trials. Know that the testing of your faith produces patience, and when patience performed has done its perfect work, you'll be complete or whole. You'll be a perfect, which is another word for whole. Complete like nothing. That word perfect meant whole. It didn't mean perfect as far as like unable to do wrong. So I create a whole wholeness journal out of that one scripture. But I had to sit with that scripture for a long time. And so, so yeah, you don't have to read a bunch of scriptures because sometimes the Holy Spirit just says, sit, I want you to sit in this one scripture for two months. And that's what you do. Great questions. Oh, my kid, hold on now. My kid, my kid, hold on. My kid got a question, bro. All y'all, all y'all gonna get skipped. You know, when 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 the kid when the kid when the kid says, "Hey, I got a question." You know, y'all, be, please bear with me. Bear with me. Bear with me. My kid says, "How do you stay focused?" <clears throat> How you welcome, my brother? How do you stay focused when you are constantly tempted to be distracted by people and other things? Please excuse me as I labor on this for however long I choose to labor. How do you stay focused when you are constantly tempted to be distracted by people and things? Let's break this down everywhere possible. How? How? Always look at the how. The only way you're going to be able to get through the how is through the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that's going to help you do anything. So if you can't lean on the how, you won't have the power to withstand temptation. At the back of you has to be the how, the source. The reason why many of us do not have the power is because we don't trust the how. The how must be God. How I do anything, how I do everything is by him and his help. So the first thing you got to process is how am I going to do this? And the only how I can do this is through the power of the Holy Ghost, which then puts my relation with God in perspective. Which then says I got to start. If the temptations are stronger than my relation with God, then I got to invest more time in relation with God to make the temptations lighter. I have to understand that he is my source. Everything else is whatever it is. So how do you stay focused in the midst of temptations is you got to get to your how. And your how is your relationship with God. So now you got to start investing more time in your relationship with God. Instead of being online, instead of scrolling, instead of comparing, instead of whatever, you got to start getting into your word for yourself. Now, how do I do? Now, do is a powerful word. You have to do something in that idle time. In order to overcome and stay focused when you're constantly tempted with people and things, you got to do something. What is your do? Do the do. What is it? You know I know what your do is. 
You got to do it. You got to find confidence in your do. And you can't have confidence in your do if you don't know how you're going to do it. Because the only way you're going to do the do is go, go to the one that's in you that's going to give you the power to do. And that's the spirit of God in you. So when we get the how together, then we can get the do together. Right? Stay. How do you? You matter. You matter. The only one before you can do, you, you got to know you from the one who created you. Your you, the vision of your mom, your dad, or whoever around you cannot compare to the vision of God has for you. So you got to go all the way back to how God sees you. How God sees you will determine how you see you and will, deter it will cause you not to even be confused by or desire to compare yourself to how other people see you. So how do you, next word, stay? You got to be steady where God has you. You got to stay with him. Stay with him. Before we even get to focus before we even get to temptation, before we get to distractions, before we get to people, other things, we got to know our how, we got to know our do, we got to know ourselves, and we got to know where we need to stay. Now focus. Whatever has your focus flourishes. Whatever has your focus will determine the fruits you'll eat. Mm. So if I keep focusing on other people, then I will only eat the fruit of other people. If I focus on whatever that other thing is that was not meant to be flourishing in my garden, then my heart will grow hardened. See what I'm saying? You have to understand that focus determines fruit. Focus determines flow. Whatever has your focus has fuel to flourish. So now you got to start determining what deserves your focus. Because what has your focus will determine what flows out of you. And the Bible says out of your heart flows the issues of life. Out of your mouth will flow either bitter or sweet water. Determine what focuses, what you have your focus on, and determine what comes out of you. So you have to understand the value of focus. Right now, I'm focused on what needs my focus now. And what has my focus now is my kids, 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 kid. And the only way I can have my focus on my kids, kids, kids is to focus on what God did, 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 did. What he has done sets me up to know that I've already won. Therefore, I can win. If I've already won, winning is easy. Because I've learned what it means to win. So you got to know who your how is. Who your how is. How are you going to do anything? And trust in him when you know when you can't go no further, you know that he'll take you further. You got to know what you need to be doing right now. You got to know who you are. And you got to stay with God no matter if everybody else leaves God. And you have to understand the power of focused. Then temptations will lose its power. Constant temptation usually comes to the ones who are most treasured. Constant temptation usually comes to those who are the most who has the most treasure, because they want their treasure. They want your treasure for their pleasure. Distractions are anything that takes you away from something more important. It's easier to be distracted 
when you don't have priorities. It's hard to have priorities when you don't value you. And it's hard to value you if you don't know God. It's hard for me to be distracted. It's easier for me to be distracted by other women if I have a low view of myself. <clears throat> but if I have a proper view of myself, I have a proper view of my wife, and then I have a proper view of anything else that may try to come into my life, right? <clears throat> People are fickle. People are going to change. Things change. People will always want to be in your life because your life is dope. But don't let people be dope to your life. You should already have a dope life so nobody can sell dope to your life. Right? Because comparison is a thief of joy, girl. And, 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 and it's robbing you from what you want to do. You know how many days and weeks people waste with things that was not worth their time? But when you don't know, the, when you don't know your worth, you won't know the worth of your time. So how do you stay focused? We'll help you, kid. Let's keep going. I had to labor on that for a while, you know. It is what I had to labor on that for a while. And I hope that blessed everybody that, that listened. My friend said, today is my first time joining live. I always see it and ignore it, but I am being fair right now. God gets to go. I'm glad you're being fair. Well, we'll never depart from you. Thank you for joining me. My wife is coming home. I better get off now. So I can be the husband I need to be. Um... I got to go. Love y'all. Pray y'all was blessed by this live. I'll probably be on tomorrow. I try to be on live every day. If not, you know, um, I'm on honey-do list. <laughs> or, 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 or something else got in the way. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. Make sure you check out my resources. Uh, if you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, I got uh, some time next week. Not this week, coming up, but next week where I'll be um, on spring break or Easter break. Or, oh, I'm like saying Easter. Easter's trash. Resurrection week. Okay. So if you, if you want to get on to that book, so let me know what your uh, budget is per hour. Now, summer's coming up as well. I thought, please forgive me, y'all. I thought I was going to have more time, but then more things kind of wrapped around my time. Um, so, but I know for sure in the future I have more time. So go ahead and get your emails in there. Go ahead and get your stuff in there right now. Uh, and then um, we'll go from there. Where am I at? There we go. Right? So if you need one-on-one coach, let me know. Uh, Facts of Fulfilling, my latest book, How to Go from Feeling to Fulfilling. Great book right here, man. This book right here will help you take the time to process your feelings to find the facts so that you can get back to fulfilling your purpose. If you need a book to help you process where you are right now in, cor in correlation to what you want to hold in life or what you are holding in life, this book right here will be a great resource for you to daily see how you're holding the important things in life. If you want to better understand the purpose of your singleness, and you want to better understand uh, how to maximize your singleness. This book right here would be a great, great, great resource for you. If you want a book to help you date yourself, date God, and become dateable for the rest of your life, <laughs> or to date the rest, date the one, be dateable for the one. You, you know what I'm trying to say? Or you want to have a? I have over a hundred questions in this book to either help you end the wrong relationship or extend the right one. Good book there. If you have a question, or if you have questions about. Discernment, how God speaks, how God confirms things, all that kind of stuff. This book will be a great resource for you. Counterfeit a counterpart, how to continue to discern the will of God in every area of your life. If you want to learn how to untie soul ties or uproot strongholds and you want to understand the purpose of freedom in God, this book will be a great resource to you. If you've got a kid that's third grade to about seventh grade, eighth grade, be a great book for them. Wise sayings for kids to help them discover their art form. 
Also, if you want to learn more about spiritual warfare and the whole armor of God, this book will be a great resource for you. If you want to get t-shirts, all that good stuff, all that's on my website, IamUnplugged.com. If you want to support what I do, you can do so here. I'll post the links there. Um, if you feel led to give uh, to whatever it is, uh, not whatever it is, but what I do, <laughs> especially with the young people, or if you just want to be a blessing to me and my wife, that's cool too. Um, Jazz has answered Sunshine's question. What's Sunshine say? I don't want to miss something. Uh, all right, Sunshine says, Hi, Coach. Next week, I'm going on a date with a Christian man I'm talking to online. Anything that I should look for? <clears throat> Give me one second. Hi, Coach Josh. Next week, I'm going on a date with a Christian man I am talking to online. Anything I should look out for? Number one thing you got to do that you have a week time frame right now to find if God even wants you to go on this date. Before you even commit to a date, ask your God should you ask God should you commit to that date? Because God may have something else that He might want you to commit to that date. Everything must be funneled through God. Before you commit, make sure it's legit. Make sure before you commit, make sure that you are fully committed to God or endeavoring to be committed to God. Because sometimes we commit these dates to people and they end up being dates we hate. March twenty first will be a date you hate. June 5th will be a date you hate. Uh, October 12th will be a date you hate. Because you never committed your, your, all your dates to God. So before you even look to see what you can look out in Him, make sure that you are looking out to see what God wants you to do, if, even if that's even something God wants you to do. But if you choose to still do it, whether God told you or not, here's the thing to look out. Look at His eye contact. Look at His body language. Body language tells you everything, a lot of things. Look at his eye contact, look at his body language, and sense with your spirit. What are you feeling from this person? What are the vibes this person is giving? Also, ask very uh, uh, purpose-driven questions. Ask things 5, 10, 15 years out to see how that person sees their future. Also, uh, look at how he uh, tends to you. Does he open your door? Does he, is, he, is he delicate? Is he detailed with you? Um, look at his body language with you. If he, is he close up on you? Is he is, is the conversation leaning more towards uh, um, more back to his place or your rightful place in God? My things you got to look out for. Love you guys. I got to go. Y'all be blessed. Hope that helped you. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.